Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. So thank you for being here, Taylor. Um, I was curious, can you talk a little bit about because you were, I believe when we met originally, you mentioned you were 17 years old when you started this in 2014, was it? Yep. And then, so that is a young age to be trying to start a junk removal. So like what led you into starting this at such a young age? Like, not every kid after school is like, okay, let me go to my business, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having me uh, on here, man. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to uh, talking and getting into, getting into everything. Um, man, for me, um, I, uh, entrepreneurship is in my blood. My dad's an entrepreneur. My dad has never had a W2 ever in his whole life. Um, and so I knew I wanted to be like my dad. I mean, I've, I had my first job laying sod when I was eight years old and I've always been doing something since then. Um, which I don't think you're supposed to let eight year olds lay sod. <laughs> whatever. Uh, it was great for me. And so, um, you know, during high school, I taught guitar lessons, but then once I got my truck, I was like, okay, let me do like landscape. That's what my dad did in high school. I'm sure I can do that too. So, um, I got, you know, some landscape clients. I mean, hardly any, like 15. What kind of landscape were you doing? Mostly weekly maintenance. But then, you know, I would do whatever else my clients wanted. If they want pine straw, great. They need stuff trimmed, great, whatever. Um, but so I was doing that. And one of my landscaping clients, um, they had just redone their toilets. And they said, hey, you've got a truck. Could you throw these toilets in your truck bed and take them to the dump? I said, sure, where's the dump? They told me, they said, here's 20 bucks. This will pay for your dump fee, pay for your lunch. 17-year-old Taylor says, sign me up. You know, I'm, I'm down with that, free lunch. Um, so drive down to the dump, back in, throw the first toilet on the ground and it shatters, it explodes. Okay. And I went, that was fun. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, my second thought was, I bet I could get paid for that. And so that's when, that's when junk hauling started for me. The, uh, the toilet family, they had a small utility trailer that basically had no walls on it. One single axle, which means it really can't carry any weight. Um, but they said the deal was if they filled it and I emptied it, I could use it whenever I wanted. So it's basically they got free trash service and I got a trailer to start my junk removal business with. And so I went from there. I mean, I started you know, posting on Facebook next door, asking friends and family. I think when I started, my minimum fee was $45, which is nothing. I mean, yeah. nothing. Um, and when I started, man, I, I genuinely thought, that the only two junk haulers in all of Atlanta were me and one eight hundred got junk. Like that was total naivety, naivete, right? Whatever. But that's what I thought. I didn't see a bunch of big junk companies at the dump, um, and so it worked great for me. And I cleaned up in my little area. 
Um, it's funny even now, because I've, I've been servicing the same zip code as my primary zip code for this will, I'm starting my eighth year now that the summer is starting to get over. Yeah, yeah. And so I've got buddies who are in the junk removal industry and they say, you know, our hardest zip code to get into is this zip code, whatever. And I said, oh yeah, that's my best zip code. And in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, that's why it's so hard for you to get into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah, so um, really from there, it's just leveling up, you know, one step here, one step there. And I've got plenty of uh, fun stories about all the mistakes you make along the way, but yeah. And then from that original pickup in that borrowed trailer, how many trucks you said you have now? So now we're running two trucks. We've got five dump trailers. We have two other trailers that we'll use for storage or for delivery or things like that. Yeah. Um, and then I should be bringing in another truck in the next four to six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Probably, I'll probably be up to eight dump trailers by the end of the year. What was the biggest challenge when you went from like in between the last eight years, what was like the one thing that you learned the most from or that was the biggest challenge that helped you grow? Oh man, trying to lead a team. <laughs> Everything was really easy until you hire your first employee. And then things get complicated. Like why? Um, none of it's bad. I have not had any like real employee blow up issues. Yeah. But it's just managing the expectations of, you know, now I've got two full-timers, four part-timers. And so it's managing the expectations of half a dozen people, being clear with them about what their job is, being able to help them when things get sideways, um, all yeah. while also trying to get myself physically out of the truck and mentally out of the truck so that yeah. I can focus on growing business. Um, now, I'm really thankful my team is awesome, but our job, while it is simple, can get difficult really quickly um, just because you never know what factors are going to change. You know, great like examples are. What are one of those factors though? Like for someone that isn't as familiar with junk removal, like yeah. the actual act of doing it, what are one of those things that the average person is like, this, is, this should be easy, just picking up crap and throwing it over there. Yeah. And so the big, a big, a couple of big things. One, traffic. Traffic and the time you have to spend at the dump can kill you. So like one of my crews, they told me they were leaving 14th Street uh, downtown. Yeah. Um, they told me that at one o'clock. At 1.50, they tell me, hey, we're doing five miles an hour on 75 at Kennesaw, and we're supposed to be in Cartersville in an hour. I was like, and they still hadn't dumped yet. I was like, well, you're not making it to Cartersville. Uh, without a super long day they were like we'll do it if we have to but can this client push I was like well let's find out you know yeah and so little details like that other stuff is um, access somebody says hey you know I've got a I've got a sleeper sofa can you get that yeah no big deal but when they don't tell you that it's upstairs in the bonus room and you have to navigate a spiral staircase okay now your life just got a lot more complicated <laughs> you know and so you know little things like that can turn you know uh, a, a sofa removal is a 30 minute job, but if we're having to do, you know, all the other stuff that could easily turn it into an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, we're having to take the doors off the hinges, you know, we're having to do all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, and we do like right now we're averaging about hundred, 120 to 125 jobs a month. So there's just lots of opportunity for those little things to come up and you got to be able to roll with them. And I'd say most of the time, my guys will just take it in step, but sometimes there's stuff that, you know, we all got to talk about. Mm -hmm. And then how did you learn how to manage people? Because I mean, 
when did you bring on your first employee? So you started when you were 17 in 2014. Your first yeah. employee was? Yeah, for a long time, it was whoever I could find that I would just pay cash to help me out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I started I started my actual LLC, LLC and rebranded Oakside to Up, Up, and Away in 2019, yeah. summer 2019. Uh, October of 2020, I made my first full-time hire. Um, I went completely full-time with Up, Up, and Away in July of 2020. By October, okay. I had to hire a full-timer. Um, learning how to do that, part of it, I'd say part of it is natural. That doesn't mean it's easy, but I really like people, and I like having a team that works together and pulls in the same direction. Um, and I like being in charge of that team. Even though that comes with more stress, it's very rewarding to me, and I enjoy it. Um, I was thankful too. I had spent um, five years working in ministry. And so I worked for a church. And so mm. at church, I was leading teams of volunteers. I wasn't paying them, but we were still getting stuff done. Managing um, people. Because you were the outreach something, right? If I uh, remember outreach right. director. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, I'd spend a lot of time networking in the community because, you know, my goal as an outreach director was figure out what does what do the people who can make the most difference in the community need to do it even better? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Because any old church can say, hey, we're going to do a food drive. But the problem is, if there's no people in your community who need food, then you're just wasting your time, yeah. right? What if what they really need is socks? What if what they really need is underwear? So like we figured out, I, I met with the social worker who worked with the, uh, uh, the underprivileged schools in our area. She said the biggest thing we need is underwear and socks to stock the elementary and middle school for when kids have issues. There isn't money for that. That just mm -hmm. has to be donated. And so we literally had to drop your underwear at church day and everybody brought underwear and dropped their <laughs> underwear at church. Uh, new underwear, not there. Yeah, yeah, it's not there. <laughs> but so do stuff like that. And then, you know, and we would do all kinds of, we'd pack, you know, every, uh, and uh, November was our big service month. So every November on one Saturday in four hours, we'd pack 20,000 meals that would go overseas to be, you know, they were uh, dry packed meals. They'd go to help people. We sponsored over 200 kids through Compassion International in one weekend. So mm -hmm. all of those events, it was my job to coordinate them. And, and obviously I had some people that were helping me and I had some, you know, some good leaders who were kind of speaking in my ear of like, here's how you do some of these things. And they invested in me and, but they, they really gave me a great sandbox to play in to where I wasn't totally on my own, but I had a lot of freedom, you know, for the, we did the, the meal packing in the Compassion International Day on one, on one day, one weekend. And uh, I was the person coordinating over 60 volunteers. So it was just like, it was great. You just thrown into it and here, go practice, you know, it's cool. That's when I was a volunteer in Peace Corps and we would work with kids, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. So you had to learn how to deal with people, but going from volunteer work or dealing with volunteers and nonprofit to when you're paying someone and you're actually the authority figure, there's a little bit of a change there. Have you, since you've grown, have you been like looking for coaches? Do you work with a coach? Do you work with, do you read books? Like, how are you trying to get better at it? Or you're just practices yeah so i listen to a lot of podcasts because i spend yeah, yeah. a lot of my life driving <laughs> so, do you listen to it with like the guys that you work with most, just of the time, when you're alone? most of the time i'm kind of just on my own listening to yeah. it 
because um, if we were with them, normally we're talking, you know, that's the advantage of uh, every guy on my team. We can hop in the truck together and kill 10 hours chat, which is yeah. awesome. Uh, I say every guy on my team. I've got girls on my team too, but yeah. they're great. <laughs> and, uh, and it's the same way. And so listen to a lot of podcasts. This is a, like, this is one, uh, Tommy Mello, Home Service Millionaire. I listen to the, the Home Service Expert podcast. This is, but this is his book. I like that a lot. Um, I love this. It's not like a super like how to business, but it's, this is for a lot of the home service people that I see that are a guy in a truck. This is, okay, how, how do we approach actually building a business as opposed to just you're getting paid to be busy? I don't want to be paid to be busy. If I want to be paid to be busy, you know, I'd go work at Home Depot. I think I'd have a blast there. But I want yeah. to make money, right? And I want to grow a business. And so that's what it talks about. This talks about systems. It talks about having a machine. It talks about, do you have a system for your sales or is it all personality-based? Do you have a CRM? Mm. You have KPIs. How's your invoicing? How's your, uh, you know, what's your accounts receivable look like? What's your accounts receivable policy? Like all these things that people, people just say, oh, well, I don't mean, you know, they pay me whenever they get the money. Well, that's a terrible policy, you know? And yeah. so, um, so I've enjoyed that. And his podcast goes even more in depth because, you know, uh, he's interesting. Yeah. He owns a company called A1 Garage Doors. Um, they're huge. They're, uh, I think they're in, they have like 27 locations in like 22 states. I think he said they're on, I think they're on track to do 100 million this year in garage doors. Oh. Nothing else. No, and that's another garage. thing. It's like, that's just garage doors. If you think yeah. about the way people make money, it's, it's unreal. 1 800 got junk is a billion dollar company. Is it really? Well, maybe their parent company. They have two other companies in there, but like, one eight hundred is the biggest one. Like I, somebody, I was talking to somebody who used to be a franchise or no. So my dad is a business consultant. He used to yeah. consult for a one eight hundred franchise owner, um, which and he doesn't have any material to share with me. But what he told what he told me though is that when she wanted to buy a franchise, she had to buy somebody out because there were no more available franchises in the Atlanta area. And that's how it is across the across the nation. If you want a one eight hundred got junk franchise, it's already owned. You just got to go buy it from the, the owner. It's like, geez. So why can't I get a slice of that pie? Well, I think I can, and that's what we're doing. You know what? And then so earlier though, you were also talking about. So you've been. I mean, I know you you work hard. You clearly have the systems down. I think that's where what you mentioned before. A lot of these other home service junk removal people sometimes lack is having all of that, the business side, like they do great service, but then the business behind them is in sham, not in shambles, but it's like kind of like duck, you're duct taping everything together, sort of like metaphorically. Um, but what else do you think is separating you so that way people can't even get into the zip code that you're in? Because that's pretty a big thing. Like why, I don't imagine that you're dropping your prices down just so that way other people can't get in there. You keep your prices the same. So the fact that your prices are staying competitive and you're doing your work, I'm sure there's people trying to undermine you on that too. Like what? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, and there's definitely still people who, I mean, do work in this, in our main area here. Sure. Most of them are cheaper than me. But I mean, everybody knows somebody and, you know, you're going to, you're going to win your friends and family market every single time. Like that's no big deal. 
but I think to me, the, the key is really that high level of customer service and the customer service has to start before they see your face and it has to continue after they will probably never see you again. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, that's what we offer. Like we just hit uh, beginning of this week, we hit 301 reviews on Google and our rating on Google is 5.0. It's not 4.9, it's 5.0, which like I'm nervous that Google is going to be like, you're a bunch of bots. We're not. We just have a bunch of customers who like us and they won't leave us bad reviews at all. And, but that's because we've got systems in place so that as soon as they call, they're getting a booking reminder. They're getting appointment updates 24 hours ahead, two hours ahead. They're getting a text when we're on the way. The guys are friendly, easy to work with. Everyone's comfortable around them. Um, And then they're getting, you know, a review request at the end. And then even Mm -hmm. the next week, my office manager follows up with every single client and we track our net promoter score. And so she follows up, has that question, and we handle any issues anybody has. Um, We almost never have issues to handle. We had one time a guy said, oh, well, the, the technician smelled like cigarettes and I didn't want to shake his hand. I was like, dog, I was your technician, bro. And I don't smoke cigarettes. So I don't know what you were smoking, but I didn't say anything to him. He, he left us yeah. a good review. I was like, you know, who cares? And he didn't want to shake my hand because of COVID. I was like, don't make it sound like I was doing something wrong. Yeah. Like, but I didn't even bother calling him about that. He left us a good review. And he said he, he is an eight out of 10 likely to recommend us to his friends and family. That guy is still a win. He's just a weirdo. Who cares? You know? that's awesome but that's huge that's so many reviews for where you guys are and that is what will make the difference especially someone like you where if you're going to let someone into your house because I'm assuming half the time it's not just like a like someone remodeling a home like remodeling something so like it's not even livable but you're going into someone's home to get rid of something yeah. Well, and that's like, and we do that a lot. And so we, we make considerations for that, you know, during the height of the pandemic, you know, we we're wearing masks and gloves yeah, yeah. in people's house. Now we default to our customer's level of comfort, but we, that's you know, right. we keep booties in our truck. So, cause we get dirty, but we don't want their house to get dirty. So we come in with booties, but guess what? You know, it's, it's not like we're an electrician where we walk in, we work and then we leave, you know, our whole job is coming in and out and in and out and in and out. We'll go through six sets of booties, just trying to unload somebody's house. That's fine. Who cares? They're 10 bucks on Amazon for a hundred. But we try to do all those little details to really take care of the customers. Um, that's the other thing too, is everybody on my staff is background checked, drug tested. I mean, my little brother works for me. I still made him go get a drug test. And I was like, don't worry. I won't tell mom and dad. I just need this on time. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I was like, you gotta have it. You gotta have it. I've literally known Jonathan his whole life. I know he's never been arrested, but I'm still going to background or, you know, background test. And so, um, so yeah, we do that to really ensure that completely high level of service. I mean, we've only had our Google, my business page for 20 months. Yeah. We're at 300 something reviews. And so, and we don't, we do not offer any discounts for reviews. We ask for them, but we don't offer any incentive. Uh, my guys get incentives. They get paid. Every time their, their name shows up in a review, they get a little bit of money back to them, but that's fine. That's within Google's parameters, but you know, you don't get anything off for leaving us a Google review. That's awesome. Because then also when you put someone's name in there, it's giving them some ownership 
but then it's also just showing like you're it's not just oh some what xyz company or up up and up you know it's the people that are actually going in there yeah that's huge no that's like, a good idea well and even in my automated send out because as soon as a job gets marked done the client gets a text and an email asking for a review and so even in that email it'll auto populate whichever technicians were at their house it'll put their full name in that text and in that email mm -hmm. so that they know here's the exact guys I just talked to so that my guys are also more likely to get their name in the reviews because they want their names in the reviews. Yeah. yeah. So, cause that, that money hits their account every single week with their tips, you know? That's awesome. That's, yeah. I mean, you're killing it. Whenever I see you all over the place, like you just did an off, you're in some parking garage, but it looked like you're like seven floors up or something. Yeah. Five. Five. Like you're doing all sorts of work when I follow you online. It's just like you, you're going to be the next one eight hundred. So I what do you have any goals? Like what are your? Do you hope you kind of maybe not get to that big, but do you have goals to possibly having multiple locations or? Yeah. So my goal for this year was to be my 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 reach goal was three full time crews by the end of the year. Realistically, we'll probably get to two full time crews and a sprinkling of a third crew. Mm -hmm. Which is still is great. We're yeah, gonna yeah. we're gonna exceed our revenue goals even if we do two full time crews. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But um, that's the goal. Eventually, probably in the next two to three years, I'd like to be at five to six trucks. Um, the only thing that might change with that is we've started doing more. Uh, we've started using the dump trailers as like dumpster rentals. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of advantages and selling distinctions that work in various niches. Parking decks is one of them. Um, parking decks you can take the trailer up five floors problem is with a dumpster it's too tall to fit in the parking deck because it's got to sit on top of a truck whereas our trailer sits behind the truck yeah right and so you know as the dumpster bit side of the business increases that's going to add more trucks but it's going to be different than a junk crew so that'll have to be adjusted but then probably in the next five years my goal would be um, to be opening up at least one more location around metro atlanta so that we can cover more of the area um, and then from there, uh, you know, who knows that we have, you have options to go to other cities and that's what most junk removal companies do. Um, but I'm not particularly interested in doing what every other junk removal company does. What I'm interested in doing is growing my business. And, and so, um, you know, for us, that might be expanding into other home services or things like that. Don't really have any details on that yet, but what I know is that I and my team are really good at creating exceptional customer experiences. And so if we can do that with junk hauling, why couldn't we do that with another home service, right? And then we can retarget our same, you know, I've got 1700 clients that you know, are clients who have paid me on my email list. I turn around and say, hey, you, can, you know, we could come back out and do this other service for you. A lot of them are gonna book, that'll be easy, you know? So we'll see, we'll see. Those, those, that's kind of the media, you know, short, medium and long-term goals um, i do anticipate adding other services in yet but i'm not going to do it too early to where my attention is too easily diverted yeah to like spread out because the other thing is too is like even if you did go to another city then you're really expanding yourself you probably have to i mean i'm sure it would be in georgia but those are different situations you don't know how it is even if you went to different locations in the metro atlanta from wherever you, you're up in the Marietta, like that corner of Atlanta, right? If you even took over towards like the Roswell Beretta and then 
maybe even the Gwinnett side, just cover that entire map so you don't have guys driving two hours to get from the Marietta side to the Gwinnett side. That'd be a game changer for you. And then you're, they're all still fairly close. Easy to pass referrals for customers to refer you. Yep. Yep. And, and that's the way I'd want to keep it is so that everything is coming in to me centrally. And then we're farming out, you know, to our guys. Here's, you know, here's your, your stuff. So, so yeah, that's kind of the, the long-term vision of where we're going. And I think we're going to help a lot of people doing that. And I think we're going to um, provide really high quality jobs that people like to show up to work to. Um, that's something that's really important to me is as much as this job can and does suck from time to time, I mean, it can be really terrible. And especially uh, in the heat. Oh, man, especially in the heat. The beginning of summer, you know, when we're used to getting up to 105 and 108, you know, real <laughs> real feel or whatever. Yeah. You know, we were having to call our days around three o'clock because my guys were just like, we can't freaking take it. And I was like, I don't blame you. Let's wrap this up and be done. Um, but... The other thing too is just with the, the level of disgusting that we get into. Um, but if you can do that with guys and gals that you respect, that you like being around um, and that you feel like you're, you're doing something that helps people and you're growing as a person, then it sucks a little less. It sucks a little less. What, yeah. was, uh, what was the most disgusting one that you got into? Oh, if, you're able, if you're able to say. There's lots of different approaches to disgusting. Um, just cause it's on the top of my head last week, we did an eviction where, um, the sheriff's department opened the door and there were five pit bulls in the house that had been left completely unattended for like a couple of days, but you can tell they'd had free reign in the house for who knows how long. So there was animal excrement everywhere. I mean, on the staircases, what kind of dog uses the bathroom on a staircase, okay? And so, yeah, I mean, that was pretty disgusting. Um, we've thrown away, you know, trash bags full of adult human diapers. That's pretty unpleasant. Um, we've cleaned out a basement completely infested with black mold. That's unpleasant, especially because you have to wear a mask while you're doing it. And it's, you know, bajillion degrees with a mask on. And it's not just a little cute mask. I mean, you have to wear an N95, you know, Mold yeah, probably like the big pink one. Yeah. So, you know, with all that stuff, those those get pretty disgusting. But um, what about the other side of the coin? What's like the coolest thing that because I have seen stories where I don't know if it was on Facebook, but some guy had to take, I think it was a car. Maybe we talked about this even. It was like a he had to remove a car from someone's side of their house in a field or something, removed it. Sure enough, it wasn't that, it looked beaten up, but it wasn't like, and everything inside worked. He just changed two small things inside the car and it started running. He was wow. able to buffer it up and then he sold it for like, I think almost five grand. Wow. And the person gave it to him. They're just, they thought it was complete trash. They thought it was just like completely useless. Yeah. We find stuff all the time. I'd say probably one of the cooler things I got off a job is I, which I mean, now I'm not on jobs very much, so I don't get any cool stuff. I get whatever my guys decide they don't want. But, um, but I mean, I had a lady throw away a perfectly fully functional Galaga machine, like a classic arcade Galaga machine. And uh, yeah, I looked it up. It was going for a thousand bucks online and uh, I was going to sell it. But then I remembered Galaga is my dad's favorite game. So I took it over to my dad's house and he has it and, and all that stuff. Um, 
But I mean, like you, literally just yesterday, one of my guys took home a $400 smoker still in the box and a grill that was like a $300 grill. Why the hell and, were they removing it? I don't know. Guy didn't want it. <laughs> he said he wanted it in, in a raffle and he didn't need it and he wanted to get rid of it. Oh, geez. Louise. So, you know, we took it and, and pretty much with any of that stuff, like if, if my guys who are on the job, if they want it to take home, they can have it. You know, it's not a big deal. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, we, we find all kinds of cool stuff. We found a paper from the day President Kennedy was assassinated, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. That's crazy. So then now you, so you just mentioned you're mostly in the office, just trying to tighten up the ship and, you know, make sure the CRM's working, leads are coming in, prospecting, I'm sure. Do you have a sales team or are you the one that mostly is in charge of that at the point, at this point? Or so that's pretty much just me at this point, but there's an asterisk, asterisk to that. Um, our business model, we just transitioned to a more standard junk removal business model when it comes to how we quote jobs. Um, and so what we do with that is basically my job and Abby, who's our office person, is to find people, get them to call, collect their information and send our guys there. And once our guys are there, that's when they're going to actually do kind of the sales process of here's how much everything's going to be, you know, and, 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 you know, we give them an estimate on site. If they say yes, we start loading immediately and we'll mm. start getting everything out of there. And then we'll go back once we're done because it's really, it's all about volume. So we'll say, hey, it looks like you're going to have half a trailer. Um, that's your estimate. Here's the pricing for that. Um, here's pricing for, you know, if you've got a mattress that adds 10 bucks, that's written down as well. And then at the end, customer comes out, looks at the trailer. Oh, that does look like half a trailer. Good job. Well, then here you go. Or the customer comes out and you say, actually, sir, this is a three quarter trailer. And he says, well, you're not wrong. Can't argue with you. It's so uh, it's going to be this price. No big deal. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, so I'd say the asterisk because as I'm setting appointments, I'm building relationships. A lot of the contractor relationships is what I spend a lot of time on. Contractor relationships, real estate agent relationships, property management relationships. Those are the ones where I'm doing a lot of the managing, but then a lot of the other, you know, sales stuff and estimating does go on down to my team leaders. Interesting. Junk removal is such an interesting, because <laughs> it really is. I mean, when I first started doing like digital marketing and a lot of junk removal people started coming to us, I don't think the name helps either. Junk removal, it's just like getting rid of trash. Mm-hmm. I think that just right there paints it in their head and you guys don't get the credit that that is due it really is like a whole it's, it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah well and it's you know like I said it's it's simple but not easy but the the difference between you know an, an actual junk removal company and you know Billy Bob Joe with his pickup truck and his nephew yeah. <laughs> is you know when we when we see when we get this, especially these big projects that's where you see the difference anybody can get rid of one couch that's not a big deal. I mean, you tomorrow could go rent a U-Haul, find a buddy and dispose of a couch. Boom, you're a junk hauler, you know? Uh, and, but for example, we had a, a realtor bring us in on a 4,500 square foot approximate property here in Kennesaw. It wasn't hoarded, but it was an interesting situation. This lady was twice widowed. Both of her husbands were toy, toy designers and she had always been in that house with both of them. And so if you can imagine, toy designers have a lot of crap. 
right? Because I mean, they're constantly tinkering and putting stuff together and they got workstation after workstation and they got model paints and they collect toys, obviously, <laughs> because they like them. And, you know, I mean, and, and this lady, you know, she had, she was into her own stuff too. So after they'd moved out, after they had donated, after they'd done everything they could do, they still had a very full house. And so we ended up doing 11 loads out of that house, 24,000 pounds. We tackled that whole project in a day and a half, right? And so that's the kind of thing that, you know, when you find Billy Bob Joe with his truck and trailer, there's no logistical power behind it to make all that happen. Whereas with us, like I've got an experienced team leader. So he was on site. He was, you know, he was, he stayed on site for all but one of those trailer loads. He was there loading it himself in the trenches, making sure all the guys were on board because I, they wanted it booked immediately and I was already scheduled for other things. So I just said, Kevin, dude, this is all you, man. And the second day I showed up and I said, I'll be a driver for you. I'll be labor for you, but you've got the plan. You tell me what to do. And so that's what we did. We knocked out the whole project, 11 loads, 24,000 pounds, roughly, you know, 12 to 15 hours on site, 12 to 13. Holy cow. What's, yeah, what sort of logistics go into it when you guys are planning that? Like, the big part of it is making sure we have the proper equipment on site. And it's getting, um, it's getting the right amount of people there to load a trailer in the amount of time it takes to take the other trailer to the dump and back. Because basically what you want is you want one guy driving constantly and just coming back and hopping in the other rig and taking it and coming back and switching and taking it. And so figuring out that math is very much an experience thing. Um, because it totally changes depending on how far you're going to have to walk everything. So in this yeah. property, we had, we were going from the attic to the basement. And so we knew, okay, there's, it's coming from everywhere. Whereas if you back up to one giant pile, you can load faster. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but so, you know, we had four, four or five guys on site um, and then one guy driving. And that for this particular situation was the perfect thing. I mean, by the time the driver got back with an empty trailer, it was between 15 and 30 minutes and he was ready to roll out again with a new full one. So, you know, we did five trailers, six trailers, five trailers the first day and six the second. Oh, okay. I didn't even think, I, when you were saying logis logistics, I was thinking of, okay, first we take out the biggest items, then we take out this, then, you know, like that sort of stuff too. I wasn't, I didn't even think about having two trucks and have one yeah. go there, one back. Well, and, and that's a factor too. Our, our general our general guidelines for full home cleanouts, if as long as they're not hoarded, hoarders have a different set of guidelines. But for a full home cleanout that isn't hoarded, we start top, uh, we go top to bottom and we go back to front as far as access. So we'll start in the attic. And if there, this one had multiple attics, so we started in the attic farthest away from where we could put our truck. And then we work towards the truck and down. Mm. Um, and what that allows us to do is one, make sure we know, we, we also have a process where when we're doing a full home, we go in the house and we open every door, whether it's a door to a room or a cabinet door or anything. We go and we open every single door and we don't close any doors until nobody has to go in there again. And so that's what we do. We just go and we start emptying out, shutting doors. And that way everybody knows exactly where the, the face of the work is. The only thing that sometimes happens is if you have too many guys, you have to split and you'll have to do two work faces at once, but that's not a big deal. Cause then you'll work uh, top down and bottom up. Like if you're in a three story, yeah, yeah. people will be upstairs, want to be in the basement. 
and you'll just meet in the middle. Interesting. Yeah. Have you ever thought of, do you do any sort of like business? I think we mentioned this when we went out for lunch that one time, but like consulting other businesses, like owners, like home service owners when they're coming up, because I mean, reading the book that you're reading now, everything that you've done with the experience, you kind of know what it takes. And like, I'm sure your dad has helped you with his business consulting, giving you those roots as well. Has that ever been on your horizon? Yeah, that's something I would definitely would like to do. Um, Pardon? In the future, I'm guessing, like maybe once the jump removal reaches a certain point and it's more of a thing where you're doing very high end, like I'm assuming maybe like when you get seven, 10 trucks, things are kind of moving on their own and then you can have a little bit more flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely would like to do that because I love helping other people work out the kinks in their system or find a system to put in place. Um, so that's definitely something that, you know, that I've considered. Um, I already do that now with, you know, just friends of mine because I'll, mm-hmm. I run across people all the time that are like, you know, how are you doing that? How are you doing this? How are you finding jobs? How are you, you know, keeping, how are you hiring? How are you, all this stuff. And so we'll go out to lunch and I'll tell them about it. I don't really charge them for it. Um, most of the time, because if they're friends, I'm happy to just have a conversation, but, yeah. um, you know, eventually I would really would like to go that route. Um, because I think that, um, actually I know that, that up, up and away as an organization, even though we're still small and young, we have found a stride um, and we are well on our way towards being a well-oiled machine, a system that can run um, more or less on its own. Um, and, and that's a good feeling. And I think, you know, the, the thing too is, this, this is a good story to compare it to. When I was 16 years old, I decided I wanted to start teaching guitar. Um, I love music. I've got this, my whole room here, this whole corner of my room is all my guitars, my amps, my pedal boards. <laughs> my, I've even got a banjo somebody threw away sitting over here. <laughs> I'll learn how to play it one day, but um, I loved guitar. I thought I was going to be a jazz guitar player. If you would have asked senior in, senior, uh, in high school, Taylor, that was going to be my career. And so I was like, I'm going to start teaching guitar, but you know, I don't feel like I'm a master at the guitar. Like I'm, you know, I'm good, but I'm not a master at the guitar. So should I really even be in the business of teaching? And my dad told me, he said, do you know more chords than somebody who knows zero chords? Yeah. That's all you need to know to teach. You just have to be one step ahead. You don't have to have every answer in the whole book. And so I think there's a, I think there is a, a significant part of the home services companies that are out there that I would never claim to be all the way at the end of the road, but I'm maybe a step or two ahead. And if I can help them improve their lifestyle, improve their profitability, help more people, then I want to do that. You know, that, that's a, that's a very worthwhile thing to me. And so, so yeah, I I definitely would, uh, would want to approach that uh, one day. That's huge. Yeah. I'm just processing that because Sometimes when I'm at the chamber, when I'm at these networking events and I'm talking with people and I'm giving them advice on how to either do their SEO, Google ads, whatever, it's like, I'm, I'm in no means an expert, like all known, whatever, like you said, but I definitely know a whole lot more than they know and being able to find a way to explain it in a simple way. Luckily with some of my teaching experience, I can kind of boil that down in easy manners to, to consume. So. 
because sometimes I've had like that imposter syndrome sort of thing being like, can I really be giving this advice? Like, am I really teaching them? Am I the one doing X, Y, Z? But with what you just said, I'm like checking that off in my head. <laughs> well, dude, that, and that's it, man. And especially if it's authentic to who you are, I mean, that's fantastic. You know, I, uh, there was a period of time where I really felt like, okay, if I'm going to be a consultant, I got to be the guy in the suit. I've got to be, you know, raking in $3 million a year. I got No, I just have to be myself. I like teaching. I like helping people. I wear polo shirts and backwards hats. That's just how I <laughs> roll. Like that's, and that's what you're going to get from me. But if there's anything that I can do to help, I, I want to do it. And so. Yeah. Well, and plus you've actually done it. Like you went through and you did the actual work. Like you built a business and you went through the systems. You went through the operations. You went through the sales. You went through the customer service, the client, um, the hiring HR. So like being able to have all of that experience and then bundle it up and then you can give that advice. And then in my networking group through, um, there was a real, he's a real estate agent. He's been doing this for, I don't even know how long at this point, but he said he got into doing real estate because he just, he loved it. And then he was giving his friends advice. Like whenever they were about to sell his home, he just, for whatever reason, he was like very into it. And he knew all the data. He knew how to do all these things. So he would just help his friends sell their homes. And eventually, like he was doing it for free, kind of like how you're doing it. And eventually, like that's the key when you know someone is not necessarily an expert, but like when they when they actually have like a passion, the why, you know, that purpose is they're doing it for fun. So like I'm sure uh, in like 10 years, if we're still Facebook's around or LinkedIn and we're connected, I'll be seeing you like helping people build their businesses. If you're doing it now for free clearly there's some sort of joy there. And that kind of leads me into my next question is, I know you like, you're a hard worker. You're, you, I think on your website, you mentioned something about being like, you know, blue collar, pushing that forward. What is the why? What has you bringing these people in, bringing junk out, cleaning people's lives, what, or their homes, their space, whatever it is. What's your why, your purpose for doing this? Yeah, I, I really like to help people. I really do. That's why I invested time in ministry. I actually have a degree in psychology. That's what I did in college. Um, and so, uh, and even the whole reason I got into psychology, initially, like I said, I was going to study jazz guitar. And so I was prepping my audition. I was doing all the stuff. And I kind of feel like uh, I'm a Christian. I kind of feel like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, why do you like music so much? Think about it. Think about it. Okay. And I thought about it. The reason I like music is because it connects me to people. I love people. So I was like, okay, well, psychology could actually help people instead of just, you know, whatever. Uh, but psychology, especially when you're in uh, undergrad, doesn't pay you anything. So I was like, okay, I'll work at the church. Well, that was dumb. That doesn't pay me anything either. I mean, it's a great thing to do, but not if you want to make money. And so, um, so I needed to do something else. So I figured I would haul junk too. And what I realized is as I was hauling junk, I was helping a lot of people just hauling their junk. And then when COVID hit, I realized that between March and July of 2020, I prayed with more people in their driveways than I did at church. And so that's when I realized, okay, you know, I, I don't need to be in the helping profession to be able to professionally help people. Mm -hmm. I think each of us have the ability to help people in everything that we do, as long as we are intentional about looking for it in our lives. And so 
I try to start with that with my guys. Like I want to be there for them. I want to listen to what they say. And that doesn't mean I nail it every time. Um, and I'm, and they'll tell you that, that I don't nail it every time. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm the only junk removal company that I know of aside from any of these mega chains that offer my guys paid time off, but they deserve it. You know, yeah. if they're exhausted from a week, they shouldn't have to take a pay cut to take a Monday off. Right. Especially if, you know, cause they can earn more PTO by doing more projects. So it's like, if they're doing all these hard projects, okay, use some of that PTO. It's okay. Yeah. It's Plus their body will just collapse on them after a while. Yeah. And that's, I don't want to burn them out. I get people asked all the time, like, Hey, do you guys work Sundays? No, we don't. We don't work Sundays ever because we just need some time to like fill. And none of my guys work more than five days a week. I, I think so far this year, I've had one guy work six days a week and it's because he was off the week before and wanted the overtime hours and we had the work. Yeah. Like, if you want it, I'll give it to you, but you're not getting six days a week every week. It's too much. It's too yeah. hard. And so that's what I want to do is I want to create a, a, a workspace where people like coming to work. They feel like they're growing. They feel like somebody cares about them. I want to help customers because oftentimes we're dealing with customers in times of transition. Somebody's passed away. They're moving. They're downsizing. They're upsizing. They got things going on or they just physically can't do it. Well, I want to help them with that. I want to help landlords get their properties back. I like, look, this is funny. As much as I like talking about helping people, I am completely cold hearted about eviction. Doesn't bother me one bit. If you don't pay your rent, the landlord is the victim, not you. Right. And so I want to help that landlord get their life back on track. That's their livelihood. Right. I want to help them figure that out. Um, and especially right now, it's not like people are getting evicted in three weeks. I mean, it's taken eight months to 12 months to 16 months. I did a 16-month eviction a while back. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they had plenty of time. So I want to help these people get stuff going. And, you know, we've done the same. We've been on an eviction, and we'll be carrying stuff out to the people we're evicting's car, trying to help them out and get all their important stuff to them. Because nobody cares about a bed sheet, but everybody wants their PS5. So it's like, all right, well, let's help you get it, too, and make the best of a bad situation. And so, yeah, that's the why. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful that while I'm doing that, you know, my wife is able to stay home with our daughter and take care of her. And she doesn't have to, you know, she doesn't have to worry about being out there fighting for it every single day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's it, man. I think the more we grow, the more people we help. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Well, that's awesome, man. I mean, again, you've been growing like crazy. I'm excited to see what happens. If anyone wanted to reach out to you to hire your company, how, where can they find you? How can they uh, contact the company? Yeah. So the easiest thing to do if somebody needs like, hey, this is a good thing. I actually do have some stuff I need to get rid of. www.upupandawayjunk.com. You go on there, upupandawayjunk.com. You can literally have your pick of the schedule. You can put in your information. We'll be, you know, as long as it's within business hours and even sometimes if it's not, you know, we'll be in touch within about five to 10 minutes. We'll confirm your booking. We'll be out there. Um, if anybody, you know, has questions or whatever, call the office, 404-909-4183. And if anybody wants to talk to me, my cell is 470-263-0881. The only reason we have the office is because I don't want Google calling my cell phone in the middle of the night, right? They can call the office. But otherwise, call me. I, I always love to talk about business. Any business is fascinating to me. I uh, like, I love, I like cigars. So I was sitting at the cigar shop a couple of weeks back and on a Wednesday night and the cigar owner, she's sitting there doing inventory. She's got 60 pages and she's sitting there going through stuff. We just sat there and talked about the cigar business for about an hour because it's fascinating to me. 
I didn't know you had to pay 22% or something tax just to even sell tobacco. Yeah. That's insane, but okay, cool. I didn't know that. It's cool to know. Not, we'll have to have a conversation on that before because I remember we were talking about the BB-8 poster and once on LinkedIn you posted a cigar, I think a rum or a whiskey, and then you were watching Star Wars and I was like, those are three things I can agree on right there. So yes, yeah, another one of these with those in hand. Yes. Yeah, right behind my computer, I've got three humidors. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. It's been a blast talking with you, and I will talk with you soon. Andrew, thank you very much, man. I very much enjoyed it, and it's always great to see your smiling face. <laughs> thank you. Yes, sir.